it is so much more impactful than I ever imagined and can make such a difference to somebody's life. And that truly is how I feel when I go into somebody's home, when I help dress them and they feel like a new person and they behave like a new person. That is what I learned is the power of what I do, who I am. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? On this mini episode of Mission Critical, we're joined by one of the most influential and universally beloved figures in the fashion world, Tan France. Tan's journey to becoming a television sensation may have started with his role as a fashion expert on Netflix's Queer Eye, but his entrepreneurial path was filled with triumphs long before he entered the mainstream spotlight. Beginning his career in design, Tan made several stops around the industry before immigrating to the United States and founding his first independent fashion line, Kingdom and State, in 2011. Years later, after selling several of his most successful clothing lines, Netflix approached Tan with the opportunity to appear as a fashion expert on Queer Eye, for which he was nominated for an Emmy in 2020 and became a global icon. In this mini-episode, we speak with Tan about the origins of his fashion sense, the importance of how we present ourselves, and how he's empowering entrepreneurs and small businesses. Hi, Tan. How are you today? I'm well. I need to preface the fact that um, I have a newborn baby. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so I do not look as fresh as I'd like to. It's the way life is right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I have heard about that. Congratulations. How is dad life treating you? Uh, oh, it's magical, but it's also the hardest thing I've ever done. And I have five full-time jobs. And so <laughs> toggling parenting and uh, work is hard, which means I'm going to look a little less put together over the next few months. I mean, you're probably the most put together parent, new parent that I've ever met. So, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, I mean, I guess maybe we can start there, actually. Like, how has, you know, your experience as a new parent been kind of supported by your experience working on all these different shows and your experience as an entrepreneur? Like, are there any kind of skills or tactics that you're using into this this new part of your life? You know, the only thing I'm bringing from my entrepreneurial life or entertainment life to this is patience. You know, there's a term in entertainment, which is, it's always go, 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 wait. Um, <laughs> right. And that's exactly what it is. You will, uh, everybody's really excited to get you on set real, real quickly. Let's get you ready. Um, okay, we're about to shoot the scene and then we're gonna wait an hour to then film the scene because we're getting everything set up for you. And that's the case here. It's a lot of patience just pretending that the crying isn't happening, pretending <laughs> that you haven't got a thousand other things to do. It's hard. It's definitely a tough balance. And I imagine also just a really good masterclass in time management and and prioritization. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I started to wake up. I've tried to wake up two hours before him so that I can do as much of my work before he wakes. Uh, right. Which is hard. Yeah. Before him isn't my friend. <laughs> 
Um, well, you look amazing. And obviously, I want to talk about style because you are a, a, an expert on the matter. I also have to say that during COVID, the pandemic, my partner and I binged through all of Next in Fashion and thought it was just such a joyful show and such a, you know, it's it's not one of the shows where those competition shows where people are tearing each other down it is a really a big celebration of of talent and of international talent which i think is something so refreshing and great to see on tv i was i really 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 pushed for that and i made sure we never ever said anything that was really derogatory it was just we were focusing on the clothes not personality yeah. um, and so i think it made it very special did you like who won I that was who I was rooting for from the very beginning so I was very happy but I was also very I would not um been mad about the other person as well so yeah they were both very very good yeah but I want to say you know what is your first memory around fashion and style um what did it mean to you growing up I so I was always uh, very aware of the things that I was wearing that I was putting on my body in my home we wore modest clothing we're uh, Muslim uh, we were raised Muslim also and so and we were also South Asian so that meant that we didn't wear a lot of Western clothes as children um, they were slightly more revealing than we were allowed to wear um, but I was uh, when my parents were at work they were immigrants so they worked every hour that God sent I would watch Western TV with that without them knowing and I <laughs> fantasized about dressing in western clothing what I used to call um, my family called white people clothing and so when I started working very part-time at my granddad's factory uh, on the whole uh, during the holidays it was not work I just wanted to I was not a child uh, it was not child labor um, <laughs> but my granddad had a factory where he made uh, denim products like jeans jackets vests whatever and I started learning what that world was when I was about seven and then by the time I hit my early teens I was able to make a full pair of jeans, a full denim jacket, as if it was going to be sold at a, a retail store. Um, and so very early on, I realized that that was probably going to be my path because I saw what you could do with this bolt of fabric and then I could put that thing on and express myself in a way that I never could in my um, in my Eastern clothes. And so that yeah. made me feel powerful. Yeah, really? I mean, yeah, building on that, I mean, like what does style mean to you in a larger sense outside of putting together or being able to put together mm -hmm. an outfit, you know, because there's a camp of people that are dismissive of fashion and style and may yeah. not believe that it's important, but it is. And so why is it important to you and, and to other people? You know, I find it funny when people, often on the show that I'm on, I'm on another show called Queer Eye, and uh, <laughs> often people will say, that we call them our heroes, the people that we're making over, they will say, oh, I don't care about the fashion component, I don't care about style, it's more I want to learn to cook or I want my house done or I want to change my life. And I'm like, no, no, this is a really important component. When you look in the mirror, how do you view yourself? How do you treat yourself? Are you kind to yourself? And it's usually a no. Do you walk into a room confidently? Absolutely not. And so let me help with that. And so for me, I use clothes as a vehicle to help people build their self-esteem. To give you an example, during the start of lockdown last year, the first couple of weeks, I thought it was only going to last a couple of weeks. So I was in pajamas all day, every day thinking, this, I will only get this for two weeks of my life. This will never be yeah. again. I'm going to work forever. I'm a, I'm a workaholic. So I've got two weeks off. I'm just going to dress like a slob, uh, which means I'm gonna, I'm not going to put my outfit together. I'm just going to wear pajamas and who cares if they get dirty. And after about two or three days, I'd walk past the mirror and just feel like poop. I don't know. Yeah. If that's what 
I, I thought, well, let me just put something on that makes me feel good. It can be casual. There's still sweats, but at least it's more me. I've, I've put a lot together. It's amazing what it did for my morale, my, my mental health. It just made me feel like I've made at least some effort in the day. And I, and I felt like I cared about myself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you've got five seasons of Queer Eye under your belt now. Five plus a mini season in Japan, so technically six. Right, right. What's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself throughout that whole experience? Quite honestly, that the thing that I take for granted, my ability to stand myself, it is so much more impactful than I ever imagined and can make such a difference to somebody's life. And that truly is how I feel when I go into somebody's home, when I help dress them and they feel like a new person and they behave like a new person. That is what I learned is the power of what I do, who I am. I, uh, but people made fun of me for years for caring about clothes. Um, for the first time I feel validated thinking, okay, I'm actually doing something special here. So that's what I've learned, the, the importance of how we uh, present ourselves to the world. And, and what have you learned about what people, I guess building on that, around what people need or can do to feel confident and capable in their own lives and the way that they carry themselves and you know to fulfill their potential as, as cheesy as it might sound. No, sure, sure, sure. I've uh, learned that people sometimes just need to be reminded that they have every right to express themselves the way they want to express themselves. Mm -hmm. I think so often we think, oh, this person's going to think this, this person's going to think this, person's going to think I'm, uh, I've got, oh, there's a term in England called t got tickets on myself. I can't remember the American term, but somebody's <laughs> going to think that I think so much of myself, which is why I'm putting this out there on they're going to think I'm vain and I think that that's what we do a really good job of in all of our five verticals is saying you can show up in any of these areas and you should feel proud of those things it's going cumulatively this can change your life forever you don't need to wait for anybody else to tell you that you should do this you can do this you can do this yeah. And, you know, you've throughout that whole experience, you've talked very openly about your experience dealing with racism, homophobia, colorism, all that and all the trolls that come with that. How have you learned to protect your joy and what kind of safeguards have you deployed to protect your mental health around that? Yeah. I don't use Instagram as much as I used to. Um, and I don't use social media as much as I used to. I don't use Twitter at all. Um, mm. I, and because that's for me, it was a really, really vile place. Um, I don't look at my DMs. I haven't seen a DM in two and a half years. Right. My assistants will tell me what's going on. They will check my social and make sure that there's nothing uh, that I need to be aware of that I'm missing. But other than that, there's no reason to look at that because that was really screwing me up. I don't need to listen to everybody, everybody's opinion on my life. Uh, many people on my social have an opinion, uh, but I don't need to hear it. Um, and I think that's the greatest component for me is realizing that even though some comments that I'll see online in the press are harsh, I just think, that's fine. I don't need to take in your opinion of me. I'm okay yeah. with you. I've got a husband who loves me. I've got friends who I'm very close with. I've got people who realize that I that see my humanity. I don't need somebody who I'll never meet in real life to care about me or to, to think that I'm special. That is what protects my mental health in this industry. This industry is rough, super, super yeah. intense. And it can yeah. destroy you. Um, it can destroy your mental health. And I've seen it happen to many, many, many people. Um, I do like to believe that because I'm older, I'm 
38 now. I was 34 when the show came out. Um, I, and I'm married. I have been for a very long time. I think that put me in a much better space than most. Um, I have a very stable life. Also, what helps protect my mental, mental health is I don't live full-time in LA. I have a home there that I will go to purely for work. I've been there maybe 10 days this year. My home remains the same. I've had this Salt Lake home for a long time. I've lived in Salt Lake 14 years. I live a very normal life. I go to my gym. I go to the same grocery store I've always gone to. My friends are exactly the same as they always were. I've added some, but I've still got the same friends I've always had. And, and that's how I've maintained uh, my sanity. Yeah, for sure. Now, prior to Queer Eye, you were also busy running your own businesses. Can you briefly talk about your entrepreneurial journey and, and how that's kind of led to you to today? Yeah, when I had my businesses, it was uh, I sold my last one four and a half years ago. I started my businesses around about 2000, the very, very last couple of weeks of 2008, so technically 2009, and it was the recession. It was a really bad time to start a business, but I, I had no other option. I, I Quite honestly, I needed a green card um, to be able to stay in America with my husband, um, and the only way we could, gay marriage wasn't recognized or legal federally, and so... The only way I could find was if I started a business, I was making enough money, I was hiring a certain amount of American employees, I could then apply for a green card. So I was like, okay, this is my chance. It was 10 years early then I was planning on starting my business. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but it was too soon. I had a really good job beforehand. I was the director of a company. I was earning a wonderful salary and then I left it all to start my business. It was one of the most difficult times of my life. I had done it for over two years, or I'd been doing it for over two years and hadn't seen any profit. It was broke as a joke. I couldn't afford to go out for coffee with friends or dinner. And I'd just tell them, look, I will see you all again. I'll hang out outside of the house in the next couple of years. But right now I'm, I'm focusing on my business. Every penny that I earn goes back into my business. I can't do all the fun things that you guys are doing. And that's just the way my life is. I'm working on something. And so business was really hard. I started a ladies clothing company. There were so many ladies clothing companies, but mine was um, a modest clothing company for LDS women, Mormon women. And thankfully, after a couple of years, it's really started to work. But it was hard. Finance is really hard. Um, uh, as you mentioned at the start of this, I'm here uh, with American Express. And I I'm very particular about the partnerships I do. Mm -hmm. um, I get maybe... 10 partnership offers a week um which is very nice but i say no to almost all of them unless it really ties in with who i am and what i do i am an entrepreneur i was an entrepreneur and it was such an important part of my life and i really struggled financially those first couple of years and so when american express reached out and told me about the american business gold rewards card that was an option that was not available for me and would have changed my life as an entrepreneur and so if you canadians out there who are entrepreneurs and small business owners i want you to know that life was different 10 years ago most of us still had to pay off our credit card within 30 days and that is hard as a business owner it's really really hard with this card it gives you up to 55 or it gives you 55 days it, knowing that i can i would have been able to spend for my business and know that i could get that back in rewards and put it back into my business that wasn't an option none of these things were an option life has changed a lot within the last decade. And and that's why if I were a business owner today, it would be a very different situation with American Express's card. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that just can perfectly segue into, into my next question is, you know, what does that partnership entail? I guess building on that, you know, success is really built in the strength of a great team, which is something that seems to be very well reflected between you and your 
Queer Eye castmates. What kind of criteria do you use to evaluate the type of people or companies that you work with and the people that, or companies that you decide to build with? So actually, I'm, I'm launching a brand next month. We announced it a few days ago. And uh, and so I can give you the example of that. It's not my own company. I'm not, I didn't start from scratch. I was asked by another company if I wanted to build a brand and they would manage the operations. And that was really exciting to me that I didn't have to do the stuff that I found so stressful when I was a business owner. I hate, I, I never wanted to be an operations guy. I never wanted to be the marketing guy. I wanted to be a designer and make people feel nice. And so that's what I get to do with this, but it means that I have to trust the team completely. And that's the, that's how I feel. The, over the last three and a half years, every month we've had a big company reach out saying, do you want to create a Tab France brand? What would you do? And everyone, it's just never been the right fit. But with these guys, it was the case of, I trusted them. They seem like good people. And they were like, we, we will do whatever you want. We'll bring your vision to life. It's not about us. We are a company that can bring your business to life and your ideas to life. And that that's what really got me excited. So for anyone, whether it's people working for me um, when I was an entrepreneur or me working with a company now, it's do I trust these people? If I were to leave $1,000 on the table, do I believe that three days later when I turned up that 4000 will be there? Yes, I do. Right, right. If I may ask one more question before we sign off here, what is your mission at the end of the day? What's the bigger picture for you? What guides your decisions that you make every day? Um, oh, oh gosh, my it's changed now. Now that I'm a parent, it's amazing how much that shifted mm. my perspective. It's a, a case of doing everything I can to make sure that my son knows. My son is half Pakistani also. I'm full Pakistani. I want him to know that he is equal to anybody else out there and uh, that his race will not work against him. That's what I'm working towards. So I want to be visible for him. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. It was so lovely to meet you. Hopefully we'll see you in Canada sometime soon. I Wait, I want to say this before you go. I love Canada. I, Great. At uh, well, some point in the future, we're considering a move to Canada. I'm not even kidding. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, I love Vancouver. I've been uh, many times and I love it. Uh, Alberta was amazing. My next stop is Toronto, Toronto, um, and then <laughs> and then Montreal. Love. Oh, um, great. Great. I, I actually grew up in Banff, which is kind of like a small ski town yeah. in Alberta. So um, it's nice to see that you have a good opinion of us. Oh, good. I mean, it I, is lovely. It is a magical little place. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Yeah, I love Canada. So um, that's very kind of you. Hopefully I will come back very, very soon. Good. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and um, see you soon. Thank you. Tan has already firmly established himself as one of the most dynamic and successful leaders in fashion. Whether it be through the popularity of his memoir, Naturally Tanned, his role on Queer Eye, or the string of entrepreneurial endeavors he's still active in today. From reflecting on his story career to discussing what lies in store for his life as a father, Tan's insights offer a fascinating roadmap to overcoming obstacles and maintaining joy along the way. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?